Um, and I'm one of our 242 college life group leaders here at Faith, and I've had such a wonderful year doing so. Um, today I'm going to be reading Psalm chapter 1, so if you would like to open your Bibles to read along with me. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is God's word. Thanks, Kirsten. It's good to see all of you here today. Some of you are familiar with the name Lily Tomlin. She was a comedian, and she, she made this comment one time. She said, when I was a kid, I used to tell people, when I grow up, I'm going to be somebody. But now I realize I should have been more specific, right? <laughs> and that's a great point, because we're all becoming somebody. But if we're not careful, if we're not very intentional, persistently intentional, we will become people that we never intended to be. You might find 10 years from now, you grow up and you, you, you wake up one morning and you look around and say, how did I become a bitter, angry, cynical person? I never wanted to be that person. You may wake up and you say, you know, how did I get bored with the Bible and bored with church and bored with God? I used to seek God. I used to seek his face. But it's been months and months and months since I did that. Or you might wake up one day and you say, I never intended for my heart to fall in love, so deeply in love with that specific sin. I had no idea that the flesh could be that, that uh, strong. We might say it in different ways, but we all want the same thing. We all want a life that's strong and stable and fruitful. We all want freedom, not bondage. None of us wants to be dripping in shame, right? We all want a life that, that counts. We want to be able to look back on our lives and say, I, I am satisfied. Wasn't perfect, but I am satisfied with what God did in my life. We all want that type of life, don't we? We all want to finish well. Well, Psalm 1 makes the astounding claim. It's, it's the passage that Kirsten just read. It makes the astounding claim that if you delight in God's word and you meditate in God's word day and night, you will have that kind of life. And if you've never experienced that, you may be sitting there thinking, that just sounds bizarre, that sounds absurd to me. Are you really telling me that the entire course of my life and the satisfaction of my life is bound up in my experience with God's word? The short answer is yes. Absolutely. The longer answer is yes, but you need to humbly hear. I mean, you've got to get, you've got to humbly hear what the psalmist is saying. He's not talking about some superficial reading of the scripture, some superficial interaction with, with the Bible. 
It's talking about a deep, thoughtful, persistent, substantive interaction with God through the scriptures. And so we're not talking today about being committed to a book. We're talking about devotion to God through his word. Psalm 1 really encourages us to, to look at the scripture the way we look at food, something we can't live without. Uh, just like food, we, we have to let the scripture uh, nourish us. We have to savor it so that it, it forms who we are. And so today we're going to look at this very familiar passage to many of you. It's Psalm 1. Next week we're going to begin a sermon series in the book of Acts. If you want to read more about it in the, the middle of your bulletin in the focus box, you can read about it. And you may have noticed at the bottom of the outline on the back of the bulletin, we're listing uh, next week's passage. That's a hint. You might want to read it. You might want to ponder it before next week. We're going to be looking at some larger passages in Acts as we study it. And we'll take uh, probably about a year. Uh, we'll take some breaks in there, but about a year to work through the book of Acts. But today we consider Psalm 1, and it makes a very simple point, namely that God gives us stable, fruitful lives as we are formed by his word. He gives us the life we all want as we're formed by the word. And it begins by talking about the person who is blessed. And in the scriptures, if you're blessed, it means the favor of God rests upon you. It means that the grace of God sustains you even in every circumstance, including the hard times. And it's significant that this, this, this gateway to the whole book of Psalms, Psalm 1 and 2, it begins by talking about what is not true of the person who is blessed. And then it tells us what is true. So in verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, <clears throat> but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And so negatively, this is a person who rejects the influence the, of, the, of the ungodly. He does not walk in the counsel or the advice of the wicked. He doesn't say, okay, I hear what you're saying. I think I'll try that. I think I'll live that way. He doesn't stand in the path or the way of sinners. In the path or the way of living, he says, I'm not going to live my life that way. That, that's not who I am. That's not what I want. He doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers, uh, people who mock God, people who mock the things of God. He says, I'm not going to keep company with those people because I'm not, I don't want to become like them. And so this person consciously refuses to accept the way of thinking and acting that is in any way opposed to what God wants for their life. Positively, it says this person delights in the law of the Lord. And that word law is the word Torah, and it simply means instruction. And sometimes the Torah refers to the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. Sometimes it refers to the Ten Commandments. But here I think it has that broader meaning of the instruction of God. And so the person who is blessed is one who delights in everything God says, everything God says about himself, about us, about how I should live my life, about what I should want. The person is blessed who says, I love it all. I, I delight in all of that. Now, you may be aware, some people, and you may be thinking this, some people ask the question, okay, you're talking about delighting in the Word. We're talking about spending time in the Word. How much time, how much time is necessary? What's required of me? Like minutes per day, you know? And uh, 
I think you sense it in your bones, right? That is the wrong question. Some of you are teachers, and some of you pour out your heart to your classroom, and then you get the question, right? You dread this question. Is this going to be on the test? And when you, when you hear that question, you feel like walking very close to them and grabbing them by the ears and saying, don't you understand that you can make all A's and flunk out of life? Don't you understand sometimes you just need to learn things? This will teach you how you should walk, how, she, how you should live your life. And that's the mindset of Psalm 1. This person delights in the law of the Lord because this person says, I have to have this. This is essential for my life. I can't just go blindly wandering around doing whatever I want, whatever I think. I'm not going to live this way, but I delight in what God says. Everything he instructs me. And so the psalmist restates it. He says, and in his law, he meditates day and night. That means all day long. It's never far. If you delight in something, it's never far from your mind or your lips. You find yourself thinking about it. If you delight in a person, this is true too. You find yourself thinking about that person. You get a chance, you talk about that person. That's the way this person is with the law of the Lord. And he meditates day and night. Uh, the term translated meditate, it has a variety of different connotations. I love what Eugene Peterson writes in, about uh, Isaiah 31. That, that, that word is found there, and it's used of a lion meditating on its prey. Okay, it's translated growl over. And so a lion is growling over a goat that it has killed. And so how does a lion meditate on a goat? With its teeth and its tongue and its throat and its stomach. Okay, if this lion growls over it, it ingests this lion, it assimilates this lion or this, this goat, and it lets it become part of him. That's what we do when we meditate on God's word. We settle in, we're not in a hurry here, and we growl over the word, and we receive it, and we let the word of God sink down to the deepest part of our being. We let the word of Christ richly dwell within us. And that happens in a lot of different times. It's supposed to happen all through the day. I hope it's happening right now. I hope you're thinking about it. I hope you're receiving Psalm 1 this morning. It happens when you have a, a, a quiet time with God. You're not noisy. You're not busy. You're, you've pushed away the noise, and you're spending this time with God. Hopefully, you, you meditate in that context. When you talk with a friend about Scripture, we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to talk about what Scripture says, how it applies to our lives. That's, that's one way to meditate on it. You have two minutes in your day. You say, oh, just like you would go to the fridge for a snack, you can go to the Word to meditate. Maybe you've memorized something. You've got it. Doesn't matter if you're driving across town or sitting at your desk. You can bring it back to mind and think about it for a couple minutes. Maybe you've got it on a note card next to your, your computer screen. There's all these ways. If you delight in the law of the Lord, you will find a way to meditate on it day and night. Verse 3 explains what is meant to be blessed, to have the favor of God rest upon you. And here, here's the life we all want. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in all he does, he prospers. 
Now, we get this. We understand what this is talking about. It's like if you're driving on an I-70, you're going west of here, and you look around, and on both sides of the interstate, it's mostly grass, a few shrubs, but then you see this, this row of trees meandering across the landscape, right? And you know what that is, right? Those are trees that are, were growing by streams of water. And depending on the, the time of year, it may be that everything else around it is brown, just looks dead. But those trees are strong. They're growing. They're lush. And that's what Psalm 1 says you will be like if you meditate day and night, if you allow God's word to form you. It says that, that you, will, you will have this continual source of nourishment. Your roots, just like the tree goes, its roots go deep down into the water, and it can, it can survive the drought. Your roots go so deep down into the mind and the heart of God that you bear fruit in every season. Even when it's dry, you don't wither up. No, because, because your roots go deep, and you bear fruit. And fruit can mean a lot of different things. Uh, fruit definitely means internal character fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And so you will, you will be fruitful even in the, the dry times, the tough times. But fruit also refers to influence in the lives of other per- people. You will be the type of person. You have a strength. You have a stability. You have a voice. And you're able to influence people even when your life isn't going so well because your roots go that deep. As a matter of fact, he says, and in whatever he does, he prospers. And some people have misused that word. We don't use it that much around here, but it's a Bible word. It's a great word. Some people have misused it to say that if you really believe in God, you will prosper in the sense of you'll always be healthy and you will be wealthy. And the troubles other people have, well, you will escape those because you have faith. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus was... I don't think there's any doubt he was the most prosperous person who ever walked the planet. Planet. He suffered, but he prospered in the sense he always did the will of God. He always bore fruit. He never withered and died, dried up and died. And that's a life that, that is available to us. Fruitfulness, faithfulness in the midst of hardship, no matter what happens to you. By contrast, Those who are described in verse 1 as the wicked, as sinners and scoffers, they'll have a very different experience, very different destiny. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff which the wind drives drives away. So the image there is of the, the wheat or the barley being thrown up into the air, and the grain falls back to the ground, but the wind blows the chaff away. Psalmist says they're lightweights. They're not like a tree that's strong and stable. They're lightweights. They just blow blow away. They're that inconsequential. Verse 5, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. On the day of judgment, the separation of the righteous and the unrighteous will be complete. The righteous will experience the blessings of God eternally, eternal life forever. The unrighteous will be banished from the presence of God and will experience punishment forever. And why is that judgment so sure? Why is it so certain? Verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He's intimately acquainted. If you were righteous, 
through faith in Jesus Christ. He knows you. The Lord knows his own. No doubt about it. And he will bring you home. But the way of the wicked will perish. And so this is a vision for our lives. This is how we can be the people who thrive even in the drought when everything is falling apart around us. God gives us stable, fruitful lives as we are formed by his word. And in our time remaining, I want you to think with me about how we can move to that place where we're, we're being formed by God's word week in and week out. And some of you are right there. I, I, I know you well enough. that you, This is you. You are being formed by the word in deep, substantive ways. Perhaps for others of you, you've heard about this, you've seen it in other people, but it's not you. Or maybe it used to be you, but it's not you right now. Whatever the case, here's three, three things I want you to, to, to think about with me. And uh, these come from scripture and from experience. First, I encourage you to evaluate your current experience with scripture. Uh, what are your habits uh, be honest with yourself. There's no need to, to fake it in the presence of God, right? Remember, Psalm 1 began by talking about what the blessed person is not. It's not the person who's been formed by the world or formed by the flesh or formed by the devil. This is a person who's not sided with things that are opposed to God's will. Maybe you can identify something in your life that falls into that category, Maybe there's something that you're doing that you know is not the will of God. In that case, and this is a lifestyle, in that case, you need to turn from it. You need to turn away from sin and turn back to God in faith. That's called repentance. And this is a, this is a lifestyle. The closer you get to God, the more things you'll notice in your life like that. But if there's something that, that just comes to your mind, that might be the place to start. And you probably will need somebody else to walk with you. We're not meant to deal with our sin on our own, independent of other people. Having said that, evaluate your current desire to seek God through the scriptures. On a scale of one to 10, uh, how would you rate yourself? One, you're, you're bored and disinterested with God's word. 10, you are white hot passionate about God's word. In your mind, think of a number. Do you know where you are? What are your... What are your habits? Unless you know where you're starting, you won't know how to move forward. And if your desire is low, if you're on the lower end of that, that scale, don't despair. God loves to give you that desire. Go to Psalm 119, for example. There you'll find, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. You'll find dozens and dozens of ways that the psalmist cries out to God, appealing, God, increase my desire for your word. It says things like, incline my heart to your word. Instead of inclining it to other things, incline my heart. May my heart lean into your word. Uh, Psalm 119.18 says, open my eyes that I may see, see wondrous things from your law. Uh, that's the type of prayer that God loves to answer. If your desire is low, there's one more possibility I want to mention. It may be that if... Over time, you just realize you are, you are just bored with the word and you don't have any desire for the word and it doesn't resonate in your heart in any way. It may be that you don't yet know God. It may be that you're not born from above and therefore you don't have this ongoing capacity to soak in God's word. And that was my story. 
that that was that just exactly was me. I, I was a good church kid. My dad was a pastor. I grew up. I was a good church kid till I went to college. Okay, and then I went to college four blocks from my house, and I just started running with the pack, doing what everybody else did. But I had this kind of reverence for the Bible that I had from going to church all those years. And uh, it didn't matter what I'd been out doing that night. I would come home. I kept my Bible kind of open on my, on my desk. And before I passed out or went to sleep, I would just read a couple verses from the Bible. And then, I'd, and then I'd, that was pretty much the depth of my experience with Scripture, not exactly meditating and delighting in God's Word. But then I met these two guys, and it was just the most life-changing thing. I met these two guys, and they were like on a first-name basis with Jesus. You know people like that? They don't talk about I mean, they, they know Jesus. And they were both serious and joyful about Jesus and the Bible. And that was an amazing combination. And over a period of about three, four months, I came to the place where I just wanted what they had so badly. I'd just never seen it. And I came to the place where I understood, and I grew up in the Bible Belt, I mean, right in the buckle of the Bible Belt, and I'd heard this all my life. But I came to this understanding that a relationship with God, it's not about going to church, it's not this list of requirements. It's it, it, Knowing God is a relationship that is found through Jesus Christ. And it turns out that Jesus had become one of us so that he might die on the cross to pay for my sins. So I don't have to pay for my sins eternally. He died for my sins. How would I not want that? Of course I wanted that. And so I put my faith in Christ, and the first thing that flipped, the first thing that changed in my life was my experience with Scripture. It went from something that good Christians are supposed to do to life and nourishment. I had this insatiable appetite to go to the Scriptures. It, it nourished me. It was life-giving. I found myself, just, I couldn't get enough of it. And it turns out that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God puts His Spirit within you. He wipes away your sin. He puts His Spirit within you. And one of the core things that God promises in the new covenant in Christ's blood, he says, I will write my law on your heart. That's what God began doing 43 years ago, and it continues to this day. And if you've never entered into a relationship with God, you need to know that this is possible for you. Jesus died for your sins, so he can wipe away your sin, the guilt and the shame just, just melts away. God takes it away, you become his child, he puts his spirit within you, and now you can be formed by the word. This is not about you being smart enough, it's not about you being diligent enough, we do need to be diligent, but it's not about you, it's about God and his commitment to you in Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved, and then God will form you by his word. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm already saved. I, already, I know I know God. That used to be me, but it's not anymore. That could be for a lot of different reasons. I would encourage you just go back to the Scriptures with a simple faith. Say, God, I, I believe you want to form me by your word. I believe you want to write your word on my heart. 
Go back in simple faith and trust him to do this work. He's faithful to his promise. Well, second thing I would say, discern ways that you need to be formed by the word. And by that, I don't mean to imply that, that you always have to have a specific reason for going to the scriptures. I find many times I don't have any burning issue in my life, but I read something in scripture and it confronts me. All scripture is, is inspired by God and profitable. It, it will find you. But at the same time, sometimes there are some things that can fuel our desire for the word. And so um, discerning those ways you need to be formed can be good. And so it may be that your theology needs to be formed by God's word. You might not have thought about this very much, but uh, our theology needs to be formed by the word. And by theology, I'm referring to everything that the Bible teaches about God and his creation. And so theology refers to what the Bible says about who God God is, what he does, what the Bible says about humanity, our sinfulness, our need for salvation, to have our sin taken away, sanctification, growth in holiness, what the Bible teaches about human sexuality, what the Bible teaches about the eternal destiny of those who know God and those who don't know God. And so there may be some aspect of your theology or all aspects of your theology that need to be formed by the word. And you might think, well, isn't it a given that of course we would have the the scripture form our theology? Well, it it should be, but that is not the case in our day. Your theology can be formed by many different things besides Scripture. For example, uh, sometimes our our culture forms our theology. Well, what does our culture say is acceptable? And then that's what I'll believe about God and about how I should live my life. One thing that's very common in our day, it's, it's it's like a drumbeat is that all religions basically teach the same thing and that all religions lead you to the same God. You hear it said so, so much that you think, well, you know, well, maybe that's true. That's not at all, that is not at all what the Bible teaches. Sometimes uh, logic, we, we say, well, if this, this makes sense to me and I find it in the Bible, then I'll believe it. If it doesn't make sense to me, I'm not going to believe it. That's another way to go. Uh, Some people, they form their theology based on how they've been raised, which could be awesome or not awesome, right? And so some people are raised with the idea, well, if I'm a good person and if I help people and if I'm better than most people I know, then I'll get to heaven, right? Again, that's not at all what the, the scripture says. And that was me, again, before, before coming to Christ and coming to the Word. I can remember in high school, I told a friend, I just blurted it out. I'll never forget the look on their face. I said, I don't believe in heaven or hell. I'll just never, <laughs> I'll never forget the confused look on my friend's face. And I had no idea why I believed that. I probably heard somebody say it. I probably thought that was a cool-sounding thing to say, you know. But just believing something doesn't make it true, Right? And so if we want lives, if we want to be like a tree planted by streams of water, our lives need to be founded, our theology needs to be founded on what's true, not make-believes, not what I hope is true, but what is true. And so we have to meditate, we have to be formed, our, our theology has to be formed by God's word, which is true. 
and it's, uh, I'm going to make a very captain obvious here. I'm going to make a, an obvious point from Psalm 1. It's significant that Psalm 1 says, if you want to be strong and stable, it will be like a tree, not a flower. So we're not talking weeks and months. We're talking years and decades to become strong like a tree. And so it's worth it. Don't give up if you think, well, I've been at this for five months and I don't feel like my life has changed, my theology has changed. We're talking about a tree here, okay? And so stay with it over time if you soak in God's words, if your roots go deeper and deeper, you will become strong, you will become fruitful no matter what. So it may be another thing besides theology. It may, need, may be that your ethics or your behavior needs to be formed by God's word in, in some way. And this is really a subset of theology because uh, how we behave flows from what we believe. As a matter of fact, you want to know what somebody really believes? See how they behave, okay? And so can you identify one specific aspect of your behavior that just obviously needs an upgrade, Okay. You know what it is, right? If you can't think of anything, ask somebody that knows you, okay? Ask somebody you live with. They'll be able to supply you with many things that that you might take to to God's word. You know, for me, one of my ambitions in 2023 is to speak fewer words. I'm not talking about shorter sermons, so don't go there, okay? (laughs) I'm talking about an everyday conversation. I'm just, I'm just stopped in my tracks by so many scriptures. For example, uh, Proverbs 10, 19, it says, where there are an abundance of words, transgression is unavoidable. But the one who restrains their lips, that person is wise. I can't tell you how many times I've walked away from a conversation. I'm like, why did I talk so much? Why did I say those last five sentences right there? Why, were I, why was I not quick to hear and slow to speak? See, I want to get that. I want to growl over those scriptures. I want to understand it. I want God to form me in that way by his word. And so what area of your life, what area of behavior needs to be formed by the word? Think about your behavior at work, at home, when you're alone. Let that desire, that, that, that fuel your desire to meditate day and night. One more way you might need to be formed by the word. Maybe you need to be formed by the word so you can have the influence that you want, that God wants you to have in other people's lives. And there's an, an undue, an unhealthy desire for influence, but there, there's much influence God wants you to have. Think about your influence on your kids, your influence in your, your family, influence among your friends, your influence among those who don't yet know Christ. And so here's the vision from Psalm 1. If you are formed by the word to the point where you are strong and stable and fruitful, to the point where you persevere through suffering and through trials, if you are that strong, if you are that substantive, if you are are that, if you have that amount of depth, then you will have a voice you will have an influence. Chances are when your kids grow up and they get big and they get old enough when they can choose who they want to hang out with, they will choose you. You say, man, I don't know. 
I don't know anybody like my parents. Man, I wouldn't go, I couldn't imagine not going to them for wisdom. You might have a friend that mocks your faith. They might mock what you believe or what they think you believe. You become like a tree. You become that strong and stable and fruitful. They might pay attention to your life and say, if that's the life they have, man, I might, might actually, maybe I should listen to their words. Maybe I should understand how they became that person. I want to be like them. Psalm 1 tells us that if you are formed by God's word, then uh, you, will have, you will be formidable spiritually. And so discerning ways you need to be formed can give you desire and intensity. I'll just close with this. Last thing I'd recommend, follow a simple plan for meditating day and night. And so if your vision is to be like a tree planted by, by streams of water, come up with a simple plan. If, it's, if you can't remember, it's too complex. I mean a simple plan like a bookmark. I'm going to put a bookmark in my Bible. That's where I'm going tomorrow morning. And I'm going to spend 15 minutes there or whatever. Uh, get a simple plan and then by God's grace, carry it out. And this has to fit your life. It has to fit your circumstances. And so I've got no excuses. My stage of life, I could, if I want to, I can spend an hour of uninterrupted time with God every single morning before I come to work. Some of you, given who you are and the number of kids running around, you might have a hard time finding 10 minutes uninterrupted your whole day, okay? So you have to figure this out. Uh, talk to friends who are in the same, same boat as you. But it's possible God wants to lead you. And my encouragement to you is don't say, someday, maybe. This is too important for that. Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. Settle within your heart. God, by your grace, I'm going to be a person who meditates day and night. God gives stable, fruitful lives as we are formed by his word. And so, Father, we want to be this type of person. God, we don't want to be lightweights. We don't want to be the, the type of person who looks back on their life with all sorts of regrets. God, we know the hard times will come. Some of us have them right now. God, we need to be strong and stable. We want to be fruitful for ourselves, for the people around us, for people who don't yet know you. For you, God, we want to glorify you with our lives. And so we pray that you will give us this desire, give us, give us this ambition of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.